This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Mindsetters, another great episode on the books. Just got done talking with Alex Terranova, who is a personal development coach who helps people unlock their true potential. And he just wrote a phenomenal book, Fictional Authenticity. And so we dive deep into how do you find that true authentic self? And more importantly, how do you build the kind of frameworks around yourself so that you can really be propelled in the direction and be fully motivated to do the things that you know are most important on a consistent, regular basis? So. I am excited about the episode. I think you guys are as well. If you enjoy it, if you find that it's helpful, I encourage you to share it with your friend. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already so that you can get all of these episodes right when you hear them. And if you feel uh, the urge to, if you want to give us a little bit of support, drop us a review on your favorite app. Believe me, it helps us greatly by helping us reach more and more people. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am very excited. Alex Terranova is in the studio. How are you doing, Alex? I'm so good, man. How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. Alex is a Dream Mason, as he calls it, personal and professional performance coach, and hosts the Dream Mason Podcast and the Coaching Show Podcast. And he supports strong and successful high achievers to unmask the convention, embrace the rebel within them, and more deeply explore the complexity of their life and to create clarity, freedom, and success. He's been featured in a ton of places, you guys will know, NBC, Fox, Good Morning America, and many others. And I'm really excited to dive into some powerful mindset. He's an author of the book, Fictional Authenticity. And uh, are you ready to get started, buddy? Dude, I am hoping it, I am hoping right now you just manifested Good Morning America for me because I've not been on Good Morning America, but, uh, but I hope that we go in that direction after this. I guess I'm just making stuff up as I go along <laughs> over here, but... Sometimes you put it out there, a couple of months from now, you'll be on there in no time. It's all good. It's so good. I was on Good Morning La La Land, which is the first of its uh, kind live streaming morning show. Um, but hey, Good Morning America next, right? There, that's where we're headed. I like it. Let's bring that in. Well, we haven't, we haven't gone there yet, but it sounds like you've hit some success. You're really helping other people find that authenticity within themselves. But why don't we start out by taking a look back earlier in your life? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Yeah, so, I mean, it's weird. The idea of me writing a book is not something that anybody would have predicted. Actually, in college, a professor said to me, if you don't figure out how to write, you're not going to be able to get a job. And little did she know that I struggled with reading and writing because of learning disabilities that I was diagnosed with as a child that I got a lot of support around from tutors and family, but I never mm-hmm. would bring it to the public. Like as a, mm-hmm. uh, a little kid at, at five, six years old, I got diagnosed. And I don't know why my parents listened to me. They're amazing and crazy. But I pretty much was like, I don't want people to know about this. I'm going to make it like no matter what. And you're thinking like a six-year-old, right? A six, seven-year-old is saying this. Uh-huh. But, you know, my mom got me the support I needed. She would help me. My, she would get me tutors, things like that. But we never went to like get extra time on tests or did anything like that. And I think the cool thing was, well, 
the cool thing was I learned how to work around the things that my brain struggled with. So I learned how other skills and I got the support that I needed on the thing. So like this book would not have come to fruition if it hadn't have been for support. Learning how to get, you know, use my strengths and then get other people to help me in the areas that I wasn't so good at. But that, that you know, if you had seen a paper that I wrote in high school or junior high or college, it, they look like teachers slit their wrists and just bled red ink all over them. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, such a reminder, because when we look at people who have, are successful or we look to other folks who are where we want to be, and sometimes we forget that they had their own struggles along the way. And it's really easy for us to kind of get caught up in this kind of idealization that no one else deals with challenges. Yeah. I mean, and it creates a story. Like, you know, your podcast is all about mindset and these things that happened to me as a kid, right? Like as a kid, I don't go, well, my brain just learns differently. As a kid, I learned I'm stupid. I'm not as smart Mm -hmm. as my friends that get to go to like the gifted class or, or, um, got better grades than me, right? They would get A's mm-hmm. and like barely study and I'm working my butt off and I'm barely getting a B. And as a mm-hmm. child, all I learn is, oh, I'm not smart, I'm dumb. And you know, when you're a kid, that ultimately for me, it was like, I'm lucky. I didn't go like the bad route. I didn't become like a bad kid, but I was like, well, I'll become the popular one. I'll become good at sports. I'll become good at other things but the mindset of I'm not smart wasn't actually a reality either, you know? But it's funny how this just exemplifies how we can create stories in our life from the situations that we deal with that aren't even true, but they seem to fit within our brain. And then we start looking for all the reasons that they could be true. How did you end up breaking through that and realizing like, hey, I'm Alex and I'm a super smart guy and I can help other people live a better life. Um, I, I, uh, I don't know if I ever said that. I'm Alex. I'm a super smart guy. But, you know, I think I... Um, Maybe you should. Yeah, there you go. I think ultimately through repetition. I think getting good at other things, right? Like we're not good at riding a bike the first time we get on it. We become good over time and then it builds our confidence. People often say, well, I need the confidence, well, you can't get the confidence unless you do the thing. You have to do the thing first, and then that builds the confidence. And so I was exceptional at opening restaurants and running restaurant groups before I was a coach. And I think that gave me some confidence into, oh, I can solve problems and figure things out. And then when I dove into coaching and started getting training in that area, I started, I was suddenly around people that were super supportive. People that weren't looking for what you're doing wrong, but people that were looking for what you were doing right. So they may have said mm-hmm. to me, hey, you need to get some editing support on these, you know, these articles you're writing, but you're a really good writer. And I think when I started to lean into what I was good at and then start accepting support at what I was not so good at, that was one thing. Mm-hmm. And then I had to change that story, right? So when a friend of mine would edit an article that I was going to publish and I would get it back and I'd see all their comments and those old stories come back, I had to pause and go, that's not real. That, that voice in your head that's telling you those things mean you're stupid, that's actually not true. That person is giving you mm-hmm. feedback to help you become better. And so it was like rewriting the story, it, not only in my mind, but on the paper. It was happening in both places at one time. So that's when I really started to see that like, hey, what I'm really good at is actually where someone else isn't so good and vice versa. And that's when I started to realize, like, oh, wait, I'm a, I'm a good writer. 
I'm like actually smart. I can do this. And there's nothing wrong with getting some help. Hey, absolutely. So tell me, Alex, tell me a little bit about this process. You had this big realization a few years back where you were in a career for a really long time. You were successful at it, but it sounds like something was maybe missing. What happened and what led you to deciding, hey, I'm going to go a different route? And the reason I ask this is because all of my listeners have gone through this process at some point where they decided real estate is the thing I'm going to do or investing is the thing I'm going to do and I've got to make a change. And so I think this will be really powerful to understand you know, how you made the jump and, and what made you do it. Yeah, the first thing, I was just doing what I thought I, like, was the only option I had. You know, I started working in, in restaurants when I was a teenager, did it all the way through, you know, college. Next thing I knew I was training and opening them. Next thing I knew I was running, you know, six and seven figure restaurant groups. And I think you hit a point where you go, wait, what else? I don't know what else to do. That's where I was like, at around 30, I started being like, do I really want to do this? Is this the life that like, that I actually want? And I could have, and I was successful and I had done food reality shows and I was running groups and opening places, but there was some urge inside of me that was like, this isn't right. There's something off here. I actually got asked what I was grateful for in Costa Rica by a cousin and I didn't know how to answer the question. And I think this is pretty common. I think we can manufacture like, oh, I'm grateful for, but I was like, it was always about the next and the next and the next, the next amount of money, the next car, the next pretty girl, the next fun trip. And it was never about actually enjoying what I had. Mm-hmm. And that made me go, wait a minute, something's not working. Something's off. Mm-hmm. Something in my life is just is, is just not the way that it, it could be. Like it's unfulf- There's something missing. And I was filling up that missing with booze and sports and women. Mm-hmm. And just like lots of, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're all wonderful. But mm-hmm. I was using them as a distraction instead of actually looking at, well, hey, what do you really need? What's really missing? Mm-hmm. And that was the moment where I went, I got to do stuff different. So I actually canceled my cable. I quit watching sports. Dude, I watched every college football game. I watched every NBA game. I quit everything. I started reading books, just like devouring books. I started going to networking opportunities. That's when I started to see other possibilities. And I didn't know that coaching was going to be the thing, but when I started doing it and I started, Mm -hmm. I actually met a coach, met a bunch of coaches, did a session with them and realized, whoa, this isn't anyone else's problem. This is my, Mm -hmm. my life is the way it is because of me, not because of anyone else. Mm. And I think that was the moment that I went, I want to be able to do this for other people. Like I want to be able to, whether Mm -hmm. it be through one-on-one groups, podcasting, you know, I want to be able to support other people to find their path. It's awesome. Like your listeners are people that are really committed to, to uh, real estate and investing. And I think the, the next layer is like, why? Like what's underneath it? Like what's mm-hmm. it all for? Because mm-hmm. then when you figure that out, then you get like full power. Because then when you don't feel mm-hmm. like it, when you don't want to, when it becomes hard, the desire isn't the, the thing pulling you forward anymore. It's the thing underneath mm-hmm. the desire. Does that make does that it makes so much sense? And I think for all the listeners out there, just to clue you in, the podcast, this is just this is a shell for us to talk about personal development. You guys just happen to the vehicle to get 
to what you guys dream about success is real estate. And that's the reason I got into real estate. And I, I know that that it was just a vehicle to get me to be able to fulfill that why and being able to do this, what we're doing right now. And some of the stuff we do one-on-one and with groups and all that is just another way to kind of touch and work with people on an individual basis. And so I think that's so powerful. So tell me a little bit about what people are going to learn when they get when they get past this idea of fictional authenticity. What is it that that can change somebody's life when they start being truly authentic to who they are and doing the things that they're meant to do. We're groomed to be inauthentic, like right from the start. Don't speak unless you're spoken to. Can't We can't afford that. That's bad. That's good. This you should do. This you shouldn't do. Like everything from our childhood is, gro- is has us groomed to be specific ways. None of them are bad or good or anything. Like I'm not having an opinion about them, but none of them have us be authentic. None of them are actually teaching us to speak up, have a voice, put your creativity and your opinions out there. Tell your boss what you think. Or if you're a boss, actually Mm -hmm. ask your employees what, what is actually going on in the trenches of the company. I think that what I, you know, in my authentic journey of realizing who I really was versus who I thought I was supposed to be or who I had mm-hmm. crafted myself to be to overcompensate for the things that I wasn't made me see how we're being inauthentic all the time. When you're not asking that woman on a date or you're not asking that man on a date, whatever it is, that's, inauth- that's not authentic. When mm-hmm. you're not uh, saying that thing you really want to say in the email, that like bold, powerful request or demand, and you like tighten it up and clean it up and make it a little softer, not authentic. I think about when anytime you're afraid, you're not authentic because you're not fear. Mm-hmm. So for me, like really discovering where I was being inauthentic has now got me to see how much when we deal with other people. And I think that's a huge mm-hmm. thing. Um, you know, the people that are listening that are leaders, that are uh, real estate you know, investors or developers or just very successful in that field, where are you? And I think you have to ask yourself is like, where am I holding back? Where am I like modifying who I want to be or who I am? Or why am I even doing the things that I'm doing? Are they because I really want them or because somebody told me I should? Hmm. Powerful questions start opening up the possibility for some really powerful answers. But what should people do if they're not really, I mean, how do they get prepared to really hear and understand those answers? Because sometimes I think, I know from my experience, I'm sure other people feel the same. We've avoided asking questions like that or answering them because we're afraid of the answer. So how do we get ready for that? I think it's, it starts with just noticing. Like you have to notice what you're doing in order to change it, right? Like I said, I shared before, I had to start looking at that, hearing that story of I'm stupid showing up in my head before I could rewrite the story. So I think Mm. first for people is noticing the conversation that's happening inside their head, right? You and I right Mm. now, even though we're talking, there's a voice in our head also talking to us. It's telling us things, Mm. it's responding before we even respond, it's having an opinion, I think noticing that conversation in our head is the first place. So when you're seeing things like, oh, I should do this, I shouldn't do this, I can or I can't, these like binary options, and you notice Mm -hmm. it, and then you're like, wait a minute, what do I want to be doing? 
Who am I committed to being? So I think first is noticing the, the conversation in the background. The second step is actually deciding what you want or what you're committed to. And then the, the next step would be practicing and cultivating actions that lead you mm-hmm. to the things that you're committed to or that you want. And then, mm-hmm. because we struggle with that as human beings, we're not, we're not reliable most of the time, I think we can create support structures around the, to get us to do the actions. So I have a client who really wants to, to create these results in her business, but she always finds really good excuses. So what we did was really simple. We identified a political person that she really doesn't like, and it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. you believe politically, right? Because people are one way. And, and if you did, politics don't matter, find something else you don't really like that people put a lot of money into. And we had her write out a check to that political person that she hates. And if she didn't take the actions that she said she would take, she was going to have to mail that check to help them with their election campaigns. Now, guess what? The next week she showed up and she did all the things. And the next week she showed up and did even more things because the thing was that structure was just supposed to support the actions. But if we didn't have that structure, excuses were just more powerful. It's wonderful to be able to put put structure or framework in place that gives you motivation. Because in that moment, you might have the willpower to say, yes, I'm ready to do this. But when you put an anti-charity in place and you put a lot of money behind it and it's substantial to you and you think, hey, I don't, one, I don't want to give this person or this charity or this organization the money. Uh, I don't want to lose the money, but I really don't want my name associated with it. I've heard of, you know, political parties, people, you know, putting money to terrible things. Uh, and the, the fact is when you have that, it can really be a good driver to keep you on the path that you decided at one point in time was the path you needed to be on. Yeah. We have natural resistance. We have like a natural, if you think about like your, a fist in your hand, like there is a natural barrier between you and what you want because what you want is outside of your comfort zone. If it wasn't, you'd have it already. If, if you need to like get past it, we also we basically have to create structures that are stronger than it. And I think often, you know, pe- sometimes people are like, well, I don't want to do consequences. Well, mm-hmm. consequences are, we, we, we confused consequences from our childhood. They're not punishments. They're natural occurrences that, you know, if you don't pay your property tax, somebody's going to come take your house. It's not a punishment. It's just the natural consequence. If you eat pizza all day long, natural consequences, you're probably going to get fat. Not a punishment, just a consequence. So I think we have to sometimes create those. I love that you said anti-charity. I've never heard that. That's awesome. Yeah, well, it's because those consequences can be good and they can be bad, right? They don't have to. We always think of them as being a negative, but the consequence of getting up every day and meditating is that you're going to be more mindful. And the consequence of that is you're going to start noticing these things. You're going to start being able to once you notice them, then you can finally start to make change and take action. And it's this whole process that you can look at as this is just the outcomes that are going to happen if you make certain decisions. And so whether you decide to be active and, and do the things you're talking about or you decide not to, you're making a decision and things are going to turn out a certain way. It's just up to you on, on which way you want to influence that outcome. Yeah, yeah. That's well said. It's really well said. Talk to me a little bit about when somebody has something that they really want, they know the outcome that they want. 
in in our space in real estate investing, when I go and interview up and coming real estate investors or people who are extremely experienced, what people talk about is this idea of financial freedom. But below the surface of financial freedom is the idea of you know not having to worry about about money or not having the anxiety about what's going to happen with money. Being able to have the ability to uh, live life on their terms, be able to spend more time with family. These are some of the things that people talk about below the surface is much deeper wise. And I always encourage people to get to those. But let's say those are some of the reasons, some of the things that people are saying. How else can people get connected in to like their inner force so that they can really be driven in the direction of getting to that outcome that they want to get to? I, I love your examples because they shared some of the negative motivations people have. Like, I don't want to worry about, is actually a negative motivation. So I think the mm-hmm. thing about negative motivation is it can sometimes really work. And sometimes it's not effective at all. And I think you mm-hmm. have to know as an individual, hey, does it work for you to be negatively motivated or not? I know for me, the idea of like not being worried about doesn't motivate me forward. I actually have to create, like what's the what for that's bigger than me? And what I've noticed mm-hmm. is when I actually like look bigger than myself, bigger than me, my friends, my family, the world, all of a sudden it's scary, but there's a, there's a pull forward. The mm-hmm. other piece of that is if I do it and I don't anchor it in with enough commitments, then I find myself getting pulled away from it. So one of the things I like to do is my what I'm committed to is impacting people's lives, helping people find what they want, helping people get to what they want as fast as possible. And, and I have different ways that I have this written out, but I if I put myself into more and more things, more podcasts, whether I'm hosting them or creating them, more writing, more clients, all of a sudden I'm being pulled forward by all the things I've committed to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge. And I think often what people are afraid to do is we're afraid to like throw that anchor out there, like let it sink to the bottom because now we're, now we're actually committed to it, right? Now we have mm-hmm. to do it. So I find that people hold back. And I think like, look, we can make up whatever we want as our what force or our whys, but they're made up. So as soon as you want to not have that be important to you anymore, you can just say it's not important to you. That was my thing is I'd be like, well, I really want this because of this. And then as soon as it got hard, I'd be like, I don't really want it anymore. So tying to getting myself committed to things beyond the what for really supported me because now I didn't have a choice. I had made commitments. There were other people depending on me. And I had to be in integrity and start showing up for those commitments. So it sounds like you find your why when you got that energy, you figure out, as you call it, the what for, and then you lay down an anchor. What are some examples of those anchors connecting the commitment to the purpose that they want to be driven so that they actually move forward? I mean, you you shared one of them. What are some other examples? So for me, for like, I mean, it could be anything, right? Everybody's different. Um, but for me, writing and podcasting, those are those are two. And setting commitments around by when a book will be written, bringing an editor, tying an editor to the project, hiring a, a cover artist, you know, things that now stuff has to get done. Same thing with the podcast. When I started my podcast, I said 100 episodes. I didn't get to have an opinion of whether I liked doing it or not liking doing it until I hit 100 episodes. And the cool thing is I fell in love with it. And the cool thing is it became something bigger 
Then there's people that it impacts. It's like not about money. It's about um, what it's doing for me, what it's doing for other people. And so it continues to pull me forward because now I'm like, I made commitments. And then booking people months in advance, right? Now I got to keep going. I can't stop. Investing in a podcast studio. All these things keep pulling you forward. Um, my coach says to me, which is one of the, my favorite things I've ever learned from him, and I pass this on to everyone and all my clients, is it's commitment or feelings. We, we are taught to choose from our feelings. I want, I don't want. I feel like, I don't feel like. Versus being com- choosing from our commitments. So a way that you can do this is I ask people to write down all the things they think they're committed to. So maybe they say like, my partner, my friends, my health, uh, my community, my job, uh, making money. And then what I do is I kind of group them into categories. So friends, family, partner, all are in one. It sounds like that person's committed to like love or connection or, or uh, family. And then it's like, that's what you're committed to. So I'm, you know, as I did this for myself, I'm committed to, to play. I'm committed to authenticity. I'm committed to well-being. And um, I'm committed to like uh, connection and making a difference. So when things happen in my life, I can go, do I take action for my feelings? I don't feel like writing today. I don't feel like podcasting mm-hmm. today. Or for my commitments. And then I can choose from there. And that becomes the thing of like, you know, when you wake up, in the, do you wake up in the morning to go work out? Or do you stay in bed? Commitments or feelings. I think that speaks to a lot of people and I know it speaks to me because you know even though I'm on this mindset and mindfulness and personal growth train there's days where I don't feel like doing anything you know <laughs> life happens yeah. stuff happens but you got you got some commitments on the calendar you know you got to do it you got to get that episode out you've got that call with this important person you've already started that train moving it's going and so you don't want to get left behind you've got to do it and so I I really appreciate that. And I hope hope you listeners will figure out what are some of those commitments, the things that are most important to you that you're going to put an anchor down and really push forward with in your life. So from a success perspective, how would you define success, Alex? And what is success to you? This is actually an area I struggle with a lot because I, I battle with my, e- my ego around success because the stories mm-hmm. that I grew up with or made up as a child were that success was all money-based. Um, mm. it was all about how much money you had. And I actually know that's not true. Most of my clients have a lot of money and often there's something still missing. Mm. Nothing wrong with money, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily have you be fulfilled. And so I, I battle with this constantly, but I think for me, a thing that I'm getting really clear on is I want to impact a million people through my writing, through podcasting. And when I say impact, that's going to be different for every person, right? But that there's mm-hmm. people out there that, that, you know, probably like you and I, like there's people, um, Tony Robbins, um, Gary V, um, I'm trying to think of like uh, the Dalai Lama. Pe- like there's people in all that have impacted my life, right? They don't necessarily know that they have. But I know that they have, and I count as one person in that. And I would like to think that mm-hmm. by me following my passion of writing, by sharing my journey, by sharing the things I've learned, that there will be a million people out there that will say, and to me, that would be a success. How will I know? I mean, you know, maybe eventually through subscribers and, and whatnot. But I, I believe that if I do the things I'm committed to, I want to write nine more books in the next nine years, a book a year 
So 10 books in 10 years. Um, I want to get to a thousand podcasts. To me, if I do these things, I think it's inevitable. I just need to do what I can control. Mm. And I do believe that the results will show up as long as I continue to put in the, the conscious action. So for all the listeners out there, I want to point out two things that I took away. And Alex, you can let me know if, if you disagree with these. But what you're talking about is you've got an outcome in mind. You've got an outcome that you're driving towards impacting a million people. But then you've put together process goals, action items that you're going to do. And you know that by doing these things, it's inevitable or most likely that I'm going to be able to hit that outcome by doing these things. And so I don't have to hit it today. I don't have to do all these things now. I just know that over time, by doing these specific actions, I'm going to be able to get there. And I'm sure that acts as a heck of a motivator every day. I just, I just got to check off another podcast, another writing, another book. Yeah. And I, one of the things I do, because that's really big, right? Like That's such a big goal. And, and I know a lot of like people listening have these huge goals. One of the things I'll do is I, I, I have a whiteboard that sits in front of my desk. And I put like little checkoff boxes with the smaller things that are going to amount to the bigger things, right? It doesn't say mm-hmm. a million people on that whiteboard. That would just be daunting and depressing to like look at that every day and not be getting there. But what it does show is all the things that if I am checking them off, then I am moving one step closer, bite size. For sure. You've got it really big and then you've broken it down so you feel like you're making progress towards it along the way. Yeah. So. Talk to me about what are some of the habits, the keystone habits, the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that help lead you to that success you're talking about. Number one thing is having uh, people around me that will call me on my bullshit. So not only do I have my coach that I that I meet with like once a week for an hour, um, but I have a probably between one and three hours a day in my schedule that I meet with mm-hmm. colleagues or, or very successful friends that we're either working on something together or we're supporting each other to get a, a unstuck out of maybe a mindset or a limiting belief, or we're simply saying, hey, this is what I'm up to today. I'll hold you accountable if you hold me accountable kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that is the number one is that community is just like, you got, we're, we're just dragging each other along and pushing each other. And the thing that I've noticed recently is like, I'm winning everywhere and my support community is winning everywhere. My clients are winning everywhere. It's like, everybody's just pulling each other forward. So that's number one for sure. I didn't used to have that, but having that is, is paramount. Uh, number two is I think bedtime and wake up time. It sounds so simple, mm-hmm. but it, I know that if I go to bed like after let's say 10 o'clock, like I'll get, I'll still get up and work out, but it, ta- it has an impact. So if I, if I'm in bed, I love to get in bed like nine, nine thirty, and read for like anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. And if I do that, I sleep better. And then I can wake up, you know, somewhere between four and 5am, go work out, go to yoga, get the day started in the way I want. And, and it doesn't matter what time you go to sleep and wake up, everybody's life is different. But it's about Mm -hmm. getting the sleep that you need so you can support yourself to do what you need to do the next day. And and I know Mm -hmm. that if I can get up early and start the day with with some meditation, with some yoga, with a good workout, um, a jacuzzi sometimes, like that's like a great way. It's like I'll sit in the jacuzzi and I just sit there and, and do like my gratitude. And think about how lucky I am. And those those things to me kick off the day in an amazing way. I also um, 
come up with about three to five things that if I were able to do them that day, I would, at the end of the day, I would go, no matter what else I did, this, this day was a success. Even if I only did three things, those three things would be big enough that I'd be like, I killed it. I won today. Those are some awesome things. And if you guys aren't doing any of those yourselves, I hope that you've, you'll grab a couple pieces of inspiration because I know a few of those in particular would make a big difference in each of your guys' lives if you started applying it. So we've made it to my favorite part of the show, the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So <laughs> tell me, what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now? Oh man, um, there's so many books. Um, anything by Seth Godin, like anything by Seth Godin makes my brain go into like overdrive. Um, Buddha's Brain, The Book of Joy, uh, and there's a great business book on leadership called The Brink. Those are, those are probably some of my favorite books. The Buddha, okay, awesome. I'm excited. I haven't heard of any of those, so I'm going to add each of those to my own personal list. Yeah, they're, they are awesome books. From an inspiration standpoint, who were some of your mentors, and how do you, go, how do you look at going out and finding great mentors in your life? You know, I think I was lucky. Like my grandfather is probably my first mentor and now he's not around anymore, but I, he's a really good example because he's somebody who was very successful financially, but wasn't happy in what he did to make all that money. And so I think mm -hmm. I have a constant reminder of like, don't be like that. <laughs> um, and me and him were very close. I also think my dad, my dad is one of the hardest workers I've ever seen, but then on the other end, didn't achieve the financial success that he thinks would have made him quote unquote successful. And so there is a nice balance there between my two earliest mentors. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to say my coach and one of my, uh, one of my other mentors who's a, who's like a coach to me, they really model kind of constantly developing yourself as a coach that like, I mm -hmm. like constantly doing the reading, getting, having people listen to my coaching and give me feedback, having my own coach, like doing the work to improve. And then outside, you know, I was a Lewis Howes like really changed my life in the beginning. He was one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. Um, I don't listen to it so much anymore, but for like a two year period, man, that podcast was an everyday thing. Uh, I think now mm -hmm. I mentioned Seth Godin books, Seth Godin's podcast Akimbo. I don't know that there's anything out there that just turns my brain on. I love Seth Godin. I learned a lot about podcasting from Seth about how to get things going. And he's just got an incredible mind yeah. for marketing and life. Really a philosopher of our day, if you haven't looked into some of his work. So finally, from a purpose perspective, what drives you to live your best life every day? Mm. I'm really clear on the man that I want to be in the world. That the guy that I was five mm. years ago or 10 years ago was out of alignment integrity wise with who I am, with who I really am. And when I wake up every day and I, and I do my practices and I do these routines and these things, it's in service of being the man that I want to be, whether I one day have kids or I don't have kids. It's like the guy that people are going to talk about at my funeral, the people that I'll impact. And I think I lived so inauthentically before that I had to really, that, that, that reminder is like, I got to see the duality. Is like, I really don't, I don't want to make that guy that I used to be wrong. He's some, there's some great things about him. And I really want to be committed to the man in the world that I want to be. That is inspiring. And the truth is, we don't know how much life we get to live. We could 
Today could be our last day or we could live another 50 or 60 or 100 years. Who knows what life will bring? And so that is really inspiring me. I'm really excited to continue finishing working through your book, Fictional Authenticity. And uh, I'm really grateful that you wrote it because just diving into what I've been able to get into so far has been really great. And I love talking with you today. So where can more people find out about you or get in touch? So thedreammason.com is my website and you can get everything from there. So thedreammason.com spelled like it sounds uh, or inspirational Alex on Instagram. Either way, I am. you can reach out to me both ways. Wonderful, wonderful. We'll keep that. We'll put all of that in the show notes. And uh, it was a lot of fun diving into some of this stuff with you. And I look forward to the next time. Dude, Steven, we can thank, hang out. thank you, man. This was great. What an incredible episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed putting it together. And I want to tell you about this incredible program that we're now releasing. We're putting it out live and I want you to be a part of it. If you happen to be a high-level real estate investor who's really pushing things to the next level, who want to get the most out of their business, they want to take consistent action on a regular basis and work from a place of clarity so you actually can end up at the outcome that you originally got into this game for. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I know when I got into real estate investing, I had planned on doing this so that I'd get passive cash flow. And I got distracted along the way. And I got distracted with things that were incredible and amazing, and I grew like crazy. But sometimes we got to get back to that core. What are we doing this for and why are we doing this? And there's so many there's so many things that we're learning in every single episode that we need to start applying in our daily basis every single day. So what I've put together and I've brought together an incredible mindset coach who has been doing this for years and years, has 25,000 hours, previously worked with the Tony Robbins organization and many others, and is going to be delivering and training us. He's agreed to do this in a small group setting. Um, so I know a ton of people are going to be interested, and there's very limited spots available. This is not full scarcity. We're only going to take 15 people for the first group. So please make sure you head over to the website, theinvestormindset.com slash action, so you can find out a little bit more and add your name to the wait list so that when we're ready to pull you in, we can start having that conversation and decide if you're a great fit. I know the power of this stuff. I've invested tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars in order to grow myself and my business to the next level. And that's exactly why I'm so grateful that we're going to be bringing this out live and really making a big difference. So join us in this mini mastermind online, this program, and let's help do some incredible things together. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 